right, cool. I'm going to click and see your beautiful mug over there. All right. We're trying something new. New year. We're doing FaceTime so we can see each other, actually, which I think is this the is the industry standard for remote oh, really? podcasting. Yeah, I think everyone does, like, video chats. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I did hear Marin talking about that with Manny Patinkin. I haven't thought about Marin and how he can't have anyone in the garage. Yeah, yeah. I think he's maybe done some, like, out with the garage open. He's been great. I've been relying on him a lot lately. That's just Hey, me. everyone. Hey, everyone. How's it going? We are back in 2021, and we're doing new episodes, and Ethan's wincing at me. But yeah, we are going to be coming at you with more content, more episodes this year, and we're really excited to get started. It's a little bit different this this first episode um, of 2021 because we're responding to current events rather than doing a real deep dive into some kind of obscure topic. We're talking about something that I'm sure, if you're listening to this, you're aware of it. Which is the putsch slash insurrection slash white nationalist terrorism. What is the terminology? That's part of what we'll be talking about. But the thing at the Capitol that was horrible recently. Yes, exactly. And I think that, I mean, I think you got in touch with me and said, like, basically, screw it. Let's like go in. We're kind of shooting from the hip. A, a little bit. I mean, I, a bunch of people have already, you know, written their takes and put out their podcast episodes about this. So we've given <laughs> it a few days to digest. But relative to our modus operandi, we're, we're going in, we're going to exchange some thoughts. Um, it's basically a continuation of a conversation we've been having um, privately throughout the Trump years, I would say. But this kind of brings it to the fore. And I think that it, the event itself kind of brought to the fore and crystallized a lot of the debates that people have been having um, over the past four, four years about, you know, defining what this Trump phenomenon is and what is at stake in describing it and what is what is actually happening. I mean, that was like, for me, the feeling, I don't know about for you, um, the feeling that I had on Wednesday was what is happening like how can how can you put words to what this is and like how can we understand its meaning and significance um politically for all of us and i think that for you it was a it was it was a striking i mean for everyone it was a striking event but you said that it affected you pretty deeply as well yeah well so um i I think it's worth describing like the 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 moment of the event so i am preparing my um to teach in like half an hour from it's like n- noon in California. My class starts at twelve thirty. It's the second class of the quarter of the year, and Chloe, my partner, texts me that they're storming the castle, and I thought she was talking about like these crazy neighbors of ours, and then uh, that was uh, autocorrect. She meant the capital, or maybe it was a joke. But anyway, and so then like I see what's happening, and in my first instinct, as my emotions are going through all the serious horrible shit is like i was right and max was wrong and so (laughs) i mean and i i say that like not even to be glib or funny like i think there's something serious in there and i immediately started texting max like vigorously about this because he'd put out a tweet like a a few hours earlier that he could he could talk about in in a a second i just want to finish that the no um, go ahead yeah yeah, i'm happy to talk about the the tweet in question yeah, and so, well, so basically, I, I in our 
in this tech and by the way like uh, this is the time that i'm supposed to be like showering and like combing my hair and like getting ready to teach and i like blew all that time like texting max and i brought up the munich beer hall putsch which now is like trending on uh, in the explanatory internet world so I, I give myself credit for having that in by like 12 10 pacific time but no it was uh like maybe you should uh tell them what your tweet was well yeah i mean i was i was like working but then also seeing everything that was going on and basically um i what i said was is what's happening now actually a an event like is it an event is anything happening right now or is it a spectacle are we simply watching are we simply all just like looking at each other and watching each other lose our minds and i said beats me and I didn't actually, I had actually said that hours before. I said it, and then, like, uh, when I looked as my timeline refreshed, like, literally right after that was when they when they busted through the security cordon and, like, got in there. And so then I was like, okay, well, something's happening. But I still think, I mean, and we can, like, revisit this question, not to, like, be totally narcissistic and talk about a post that I made, but, like, go back to this question of, like, what was it a spectacle? Was it an event? What is the difference between the two? Um, and I'm still not, I mean, to be honest, I'm still not sure about the answer to that question. We can get into that later. Um, but, you know, as soon as they got in there and it became clear that there was no, you know, the, the police had no control over the situation, I was like definitely very alarmed and troubled. I still wasn't like thinking, okay, well, this is a, this is the government being overthrown or anything, but I was like, this is a terrible situation. And, it's much worse than I expected. When I saw that people were at the Capitol trot, like fighting with the with the riot cops, I wasn't surprised at all because they had been saying they were going to do that forever. But I was like, okay, well, it's an unruly crowd situation. These are police who must be prepared for that, right? <laughs> and it's just going to be, they're just going to fight with each other for a little while and then they'll push them back and they'll have some overwhelming show of force to get these people out of this situation, which is like, we know that they know how to do that. So I was like, well, that's going to happen. And so I was shocked when it, when they totally lost control and watching the events over the next few hours transpire was, was pretty crazy. And it's, and it's just like, for me, it was like, okay, well, this is a yet another kind of like new low moment of total, I can't even put words to it. I mean, this is the difficult thing. Like, this is just a new low in the in the Trump era, which has been filled with them, where you think there's no way it could get this bad. But it did. And I thought, well, you know, it didn't... Well, we'll, we'll get into, like, what the, what the results well, it, of it were and what the impact of it is and what its deeper meaning is. But that was my feeling at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that already in that struggle for the language, I, I was, like, overhearing... Um, a FaceTime call with some other people today and someone was referring to it and they said the and they paused and I think they went for like a white terrorist event but that pause of the you know is this just another like another new low which that is part of the defining thing of the Trump era is it, each one is so seems like it should be defining of uh, it should like provoke some sort of reaction from the rest of reality to define it as a stopping point or as a breaking point and then the fact that that has never happened uh, until now if if this even is that happening um 
creates this feeling of this inevitability, which is, I think, maybe where, where some of your, um, you know, is this just another spectacle? Is just this another blank? You know, and some people would fill that blank in and say another moment of the of the fascist rise uh, of of the Trumpian movement or something, and um, and and so that's why, like, so the literally everythingness I think uh, that we're going to be bringing to this that m- hopefully makes our analysis like worth existing is we we do both have different trainings in the rise of fascism and totalitarianism in Europe in our, uh, both of both of us probably like, er, like early in our academic careers. Um, and that's probably shaped some of, although it's funny that you're coming at this from this kind of like French theory, Jean Baudrillard, like it's all simulacra. There's no real event. I read, well, I read like happen. some Debord, I read some Debord, like maybe 10 pages of it once in grad school. And I immediately forgot all of it. And, um, that was enough for me. So I don't, I don't. So when I say spectacle, I'm not, you know, bringing any kind of special theoretical knowledge to bear. Yeah, but but I mean, I think that like that you're drawing on this, which is, is like some of the. I mean, there's this other like thread in 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 your tweeting, like so part of what Max and I had debated in the, in in the lead up to the election and the aftermath of the election was, um, like I said that. Trump won't leave, and that there is a a movement um, that I think at times the word fascist is the right term for it, as in is an illuminating term. Um, certainly, like uh, an authoritarian um, movement that, um, like, basically that these people are serious and that this is fucking like that shit is going down. And Max, like, I remember you were posting these tweets of when he's like da- when Trump was like dancing at the rallies, like gigging. As you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I had it. There was a whole video of him doing his little dance, which was just his, his dancing is so insane. Um, and it's just, you can't, I mean, it's, it's really funny. And so I put, um, some hyphy music to it and posted it. I was very proud of myself for that. Um, yeah. but yeah, so I was, I was taking, I mean, so, okay. So first of all, I, I'm not trying to like pin you I on make that. jokes. Like, I think yeah, that's yeah, actually no, okay. significant. But this is the this is the basic dynamic between me and you is that that use your position is that you know he is trying to subvert our democratic institutions and he has a movement and and we all know that and like I agree with you he doesn't want to go I don't but what I don't agree with you is like what what is behind that right and so for you you focus on the idea that he has a movement and these people are um, committed to overthrowing our system of democracy, right? Such as it is. And for me, it's, it's more like, well, he's, he is a deeply, like he has serious personality disorders and he just can't, he is just as an individual can't accept that he lost. And these people are devoted to him personally for a variety of different reasons. Right. And I'm not, and, and I understand that like in fascism and stuff, there's a deep personal connection to the, the leader. I recognize that, but so, so to me, I mean, okay, so we can get into more into that later, but the main point is that, you know, you say I'm not taking this as seriously and, and maybe I'm not, um, I would say you're being an alarmist. You probably, you probably aren't being, like <laughs> oh, or you're talking about like going back a few months. This is like, yeah, the, going back no, just in general, like what, what is the meaning? What's going on here? Like is Trump, is this like an, a rise of authoritarianism? Is this the beer hall putch meaning a prelude to something worse coming down the line? Um, 
that's the way you're that's the angle you're taking the angle i'm taking is you know this is a symptom of certain issues that we have already in in a, in our political system and in our culture um that you know it's not necessarily pointing towards anything good uh but it's not necessarily pointing in the in in this predetermined the way i see it like the, in this predetermined like this is what authoritarians do this is what fascists do if you look at history you'll learn the lessons of, of what happens that's not the way i see it and i don't see it i and i think that you know the fascist uh comparisons are you know f totally fine and and they can be meaningful or useful um but i think that there are other like other historical kind of there's other kinds of historical knowledge that are also useful for understanding this um and that's why, I mean, like, maybe we should jump in to this whole uh, conversation about the terminology, because the, the, the idea of the, the terminology debate is basically a, a debate about history, right? Because if, if we give these things these labels, then we can use things from the past that have the same labels and derive meaning from what's happening right now by comparing it and by saying, well, if it's a coup, then we can look at other coups and it's similar and it can give us these lessons. Or if they're fascists, it's like these, they're like fascists so we can learn from the history of fascism um, in terms of our current predicament, right? Um, and so, so, so go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I, I was gonna say, I think already there, I think there's already like, I, I actually now see some of the, the divergence in, in our approaches is, is, is like, what are you, what are we trying to do with this, with these, these labels? Because to me, um, let me respond to a, a bunch of different things you said. It's not about arriving at if I if I call it fascist, that means I know what's going to happen next. It's not about the predetermined. Um, it's not uh, the label isn't meant to to tell people that uh, I've applied this label, and so you know, add three years time, and we'll be in Germany in 1936 or 39 or whatever. And I think that that's a huge um, one of I, I think the biggest analytical consequences of the Holocaust that has been uh, troubled the left and like the, the neoconservative right is everyone like either jumps too soon on the concreteness of the analogy or they wait too long to say, oh, well, it, unless there's, you know, cattle cars, then it's not the same thing. How dare you even compare this thing to that? You know, like we don't have uh, Dachau, you know, and so... Right. Um, or, or, and then maybe I, 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 it works, it, the slipperiness works in both directions. You know, the slipperiness is also like maybe people who know a little bit less about the particulars of, let's say, um, the Holocaust, for example, will be really quick to be like, oh, like X situation is a genocide. And, um, someone will say, well, like this thing can be really bad, but if you know about the Holocaust, that was a different kind of bad thing. And that specificity, I think, is important. I'm not trying to lose sight of that. The historical specificity and indifference. In, in, in and to me, the, the point of, of, of pulling out a term like fascism isn't to tell us precisely what's going to happen next. And it isn't to say that this is a one-for-one -one perfect match with Nazi Germany or with Italy. To me, it's that I want to better understand what is happening now. It's just about mm -hmm. like comprehension, and um, and so like right. But if I can cut in really quick, but yeah, like sure. the point is, you would see people saying stuff like, "Well, here's the lesson of history: the Beer Hall Putsch was in 1923 or four or whatever." And so then, we're like ten years from 
Yeah, right. Hitler. So then they'll they'll literally say 1923 beer hall putsch. Uh, Ten years, no one does anything. 1933, Nazis take power, and it's like, well, a bunch of stuff did happen in those ten years, right? So it's like you can't yeah. just say like this. This is the choice. So like, I, I, like the the Germans didn't get the right lesson from the beer hall putsch. Therefore, we need to take the right lesson, which is don't accommodate Nazis, right? W- w- and, yeah. Which, which, by the way, people forget. Like, I think like this is maybe like one of our defining, or at least my defining like brands is remember the Bush era. All those motherfuckers mm-hmm. did was compare Saddam or like Islamic fundamentalism to I remember like people would people would call Edward Said like that like his classes were like a Munich beer hall putsch. It was a thing that like neocons would Islamo-fascism, do. Islamofascism, yeah. Yeah. Every time someone disagreed with them, it was a Munich beer hall putsch. And like I mean like I literally had people like describe academic talks that I went to as they that was their experience of it, you know? Um, like when, Also remember how the election of 2000 was literally a coup, like a judicial coup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, that's something worth going back to as well. But um, so, yeah, I, but I, th- that's not to say, though, that there isn't value in like, like I, so I mentioned the Munich Beer Hall Putsch. The reason I mentioned it to you was you were said, well, they're not going to prevent Biden from getting inaugurated. So yes. they, they didn't win. And you also said they didn't win the court cases. So they didn't win. And my point is that you don't have to like win for something to significantly alter the political atmosphere. And I, to put like a, like a finer point on that, if, if I might, it's not that I think like, you know, so coup, okay, were they going to overthrow? Were they going to start sitting in the Capitol building and like fucking passing laws like the Senate, like these... People who like dressed like fucking orcs from Lord of the Rings are gonna like have hearings or whatever. Like, no, it's like I think it the the um, the point, and it and I think Michigan with um, like Governor Whitmer was like a rehearsal of of this. Isn't um, they they take over our system? I think our system would be it, it, for a lot of reasons the decentralization and federalism and all these layers. It's really hard to take over our system and just like start like this is why I hate um, uh, what's the Margaret Atwood Handmaiden's Handmaid's Tale. Tale. I think Handmaid's Tale is like really like there's this and there's other things about it that I know are good, but here's the thing about it that I think is like crap, which is like. That's not how it would go down here. And I'm not saying that to be less alarmist. I'm saying that to be more alarmist. It's like the way our system works isn't super susceptible to um, uh, like someone like grabs hold at the top and then there's like, you know, Nazis walking down the street in every single city. Like we have too many cities. We have too much land. Like it, that's not like what I'm worried about. To me, it's more about delegitimizing the function of our democracy so like so what i was saying to you is like a successful inauguration is the wrong metric um like because sure it will be a successful inauguration but they're already changing the rules of what it means to win a presidential election it used to mean you win a presidential election and this is where we should keep george bush in our minds in 2000 but with that in brackets you win a presidential election even if there's Russian interference, if you win the electoral votes, like you're in charge of the executive branch 
and like law flows from there. And, and um, while people challenge the constitutionality, let's say, of Trump's Muslim travel ban, they, w- those challenges were occurring within the system. Those challenges were saying our system is legitimate. And within the legitimacy of that system, we have this route to, to challenge like this law. But it wasn't saying like a president making laws is fundamentally something that doesn't apply. In fact, even by challenging it, you're reinforcing the idea that they do apply. Whereas by delegitimizing the, the electoral results and, and everything else, you can have an inauguration, but inaugurations, elections, and laws, all if those things are all like um, viewed as illegitimate in the eyes of enough of the public and, and in the eyes of many lawmakers, you know, like all these state assemblymen who were there, if, the, if fucking lawmakers don't view those things as legitimate, then then you're di- living in a different in a different country and in, in, in a different system. You're not living in a democracy in the way that ours used to be. Right. And then, and, and look, um, I totally share your um, concerns about that dynamic. And yes, it is true. So the the right has cultivated this belief among their followers and now you know the followers are becoming elected officials that you know they can't lose elections and that if they lose an election that makes it illegitimate um it you know we saw it with birtherism in the obama era but it it goes back even further than that and i and i think that yes this has been encouraged on multiple levels so we see it with with this uh, electoral stuff but then there's also like nra propaganda about the fact that anytime a democrat is elected they're going to come and take your guns and it's going to be the final coming of american tyranny and then there's also QAnon, which is saying that you know the democratic elite are a cabal of pedophiles and that this is a demonic force that's occupying you know the heights of power in our country and they need to be overthrown by overthrowing our democratic system right and so they have encouraged that and i would say they have um allowed it and accommodated it because it's useful to them for certain reasons um and you know putting trump the trump as a person aside you know thinking about people who are maybe you know aren't are like fully cognizant and in control of their actions people like holly or cruz or stuff people like that yes they are encouraging that because it's useful to them they don't believe it themselves and I think that in general, if you have that huge amount of people who have those kinds of beliefs, it's a serious problem. And you're going to have a kind of like stochastic kind of episodes of violence, right? Where people are like blowing themselves up or killing a few people. And like we've seen a few What's examples stochastic of that. mean? Just like random, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you have this situation. It's like, you know. Brownian motion of like particles in air and like every once in a while it's like random but like every once in a while one of them like goes goes and does something crazy you wouldn't expect like statistically most of the time it's predictable and people are just gonna people are just gonna post online and like people are going to fantasize about the coming civil war um in reality most people aren't built for uh fighting like a taliban style insurgency against the u.s government but a lot of people like to talk about how they would do it and fantasize about killing people and their political opponents. And then the thing is, 
you get the, enough people who are believing that, and it's been a huge upswing of people believing in that kind of stuff, um, even there's going to be like a, a, a certain subset, right? Three, who are willing three to do percenters, it. like that's what they call themselves. That yeah, they exactly. have this mythical belief that only three percent of like American colonists rose up against the British in 1776, which is not true. But th- and then that's what they are for this. Yeah, exactly. Like they're the they're the the Taliban. They're the Viet Cong. Like they're the ones who are who are ready to like fight this guerrilla warfare um, against the United States. Because, I mean, I've, I'm talking about the Taliban and Viet Cong because I've been thinking about this whole gun control debate and, like, how guys are saying, like, we need our guns to fight against the to fight against the U.S. government. And it's like, well, how are you going to fight against the U.S. government with your AR-15s against, like, fighter jets and tanks? And I'm like, well, you know, some people have done it, but you just have to be willing to... Um, do certain things and like some people some people are really willing to go there and so I think what happened on Wednesday was you got you definitely got a critical mass of like the right kind of people who are willing to do that sort of stuff Um, but I think that like even even in that case where you got like thousands of people who are willing to confront the police and violently confront them and break down the doors of Congress like in the end even among those people who are willing to do that, only a subset were really prepared to do some damage. And there were some people who were prepared to, um, who I think w- would have, if they gotten their hands on, on certain people, would have, would have been willing to harm them. Most of them, and this goes back to my spectacle uh, question, most of them went in there and walked around and made did internet posts like they streamed and they took pictures and they yeah, put them online as, right? as, as so, isis has taught us like the line between like extreme violence and internet posts can can be blurred um well sure i mean i mean yeah but isis yeah they they create a spectacle as well that's part well, of their whole thing but yes that's true but like my point is those these people didn't know what they didn't know what they were going to do once they got in there a lot of them didn't some of them did it's not like a homogenous group I, it wasn't like, you know, this wasn't an organized, like, essay fucking occupation of the government where, like, we're going to go in and we're going to, like, take zip ties and get pants and get Nancy Pelosi. And then that's the two and three in the presidential succession and so on and so forth. Some guys were probably thinking that. A lot of guys were, like, people like Baked Alaska, who's, like, just an internet troll, right? And he wanted to take pictures and get clout yeah, off of it. But, okay, so, so here's where I want to jump in, though, is that to me... It's not about the concrete outcome, okay? Like, I mean, there, there's that level where that, that does matter. Like, if, if they had, like, did, taken the zip ties and, like, taken, like, Pelosi hostage or harmed her or something, God forbid, you know, that matters. But to me, it, it gets... So it's not about um, do, they, do they take over the government? Do they prevent the certification or, or the inauguration or, or whatever? It's, it's, it's about, the I'm, you know, the literature background... Is, is my whole view here, but it's semiotics. It's this, what is the significant, that whole display, you're right, it is a spectacle. And what does it signify though? What does it signify to create those images? And so, and in, in to me, what it, what it signifies is, is it changes the meaning of the, we have certain signs that we depend on them having a stable meaning. Like an inauguration means this. And they're changing the meaning of the signs in the public space in, in a sort of incontestable way. Like you can no longer think of one of maybe a, a thought that we might have is like the physical space of our government um, 
whatever happens on the internet, whatever happens even maybe in front of uh, a government building, the space in which, you know, certain spaces are like sacred or safe or whatever you, <laughs> safe spaces. And mm-hmm. by changing the signification, you'll, you'll never look at the Capitol building and have it signify that to you again as being impenetrable or imperturbable. And when that conceptual, uh, when that relationship between the sign and what it means is broken, and it's broken for all of us, it, it does a number of things. For one thing, I think it it's a huge injection of adrenaline in, in, into that movement. Um, because like you said, they, they, I don't think that they, they, they got far beyond maybe their expectations. You know, it is a movement. You one time called them like doughy dipshits or something. You had a great phrase yeah. in a text one time. You know, that they're like all lazy. Probably not like, very original, but yeah, but yeah. Something like, you know, they're like lazy, like eating like Tostitos cheesy dip and like talking about overthrowing the government. So that's probably... Yeah, but some of these guys, I mean, some of them were and some of them were like, some of them were buffoons and some of them were like heavy hitters. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, was a, it was a mix. Okay, well, so I, I want to like move, like move to an adjacent point, which is uh, Trump in his role in this crowd. In like yeah, can this. I just say, like, to me, I, I, I could just to, to, to wrap up this last point. I mean, I understand what you're saying about the, the symbolism of it. And I just wonder, is the effect, like, first of all, all this stuff, the, the, the people that believe this, my point originally was, like, this has been around for a while. So this is like an, this is kind of an episodic thing rather than a definitive rupture. That's the way I see it. Like this, these beliefs have been around for a while. And then symbolically, I mean, what's the effect of that beyond emotional? Like, a, it's like almost like a, a bit of an emotional trauma. People are saying, oh, American uh, democracy was shaken. Well, it's like, well, a space, a physical space was taken, right? No, but I, I but think to it, me, the, the exa- to me, the lesson was the institution is something that's not like the, the sacrality of that space, like is an illusion. And, it, and yes, it was broken, but it also showed us that the institutions like can survive that kind of uh, desecration, if you want to call it that, right? People have been using that word. Yeah, but, I mean, is the Senate that voted on all that shit afterward the same thing? And I would say that it's not. I would say that it's not. I think that, so like, this, you know, they didn't score a touchdown within our constitutional system, but what they did do is they show that we're not even, that American politics is no longer even played in the constitutional system. So it's not that it desacralizes the space, but it almost renders the space, like, after that, like, I don't give a fuck, like, what they come together to, like, two in the morning to do, because you see their impot- the impotence of our system to resist this has been demonstrated. And and, 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 and that, I think, cuts a lot deeper. It's not just like, oh, you know, this this, like, these hallowed halls like have been like shat upon by like the orcs, you know, the Tostitos orcs. It's like, what? Okay. I mean, like, let's talk about mask men. Like, you know, what pick, pick, pick something that Biden's gonna, that like laws that we want to have matter when they happen. Um, it can be mask mandates. It can be something with a vaccine. You can go back in history and say something like civil rights law, desegregation. Like it's really important that our laws matter. And the one thing that I think makes this different, you know, we can point to tons of horrible moments in American history, but the if you look at, let's say, anti-integration, Jim Crow, you know, 
they were still playing within the constitutional system. They just wanted the rules of the system to favor their like racist worldview. But they weren't trying to propose that that's trying to demonstrate that that system itself uh, has no legitimacy. You know, I, I mean, I think really the only precedent for that is secession in the Civil War. Everything else has really been fought on the same. It's it's like it's a football game and we're going back and forth over the same field. And they've just said, like, the game that you guys are playing on that field, that's not the game. And so anything that we do do on that field, we, you know, we pass a more comprehensive health care reform or we reform the police. It won't matter the same because I mean, and I'm not saying that the impotence wasn't there before the impotence of our sort of liberal centrist system was there before, but Mm -hmm. there's an escalation. I I think it's it's a change in like the nature of the thing, not just a change in the degree. Like you're saying, oh, well, there's always been like these Looney Tunes, anti-government militia types. And well, no, but that's not just that. But I mean, authoritarian, like anti-democratic. I mean, you know, Jim Crow was about like, you know, black men were given the right to vote. Right. And then they said, no, we're going to take that away. I mean, to me, to me, that's like disenfranchising millions of um, black men, like after Reconstruction ended in the South, like that to me is equally as anti-democratic as saying like, well, you know, we don't like the outcome of this election. Therefore, it's illegitimate. They were saying these elections were where black men are allowed to vote are illegitimate well, yeah, as well. Th- that's so, why that, I mean, to me, the, the parallels for this moment are the Civil War and, and what you're talking about. That, those are more relevant par- parallels to me because that's basically where like white domestic terrorism uh, is used to undermine the, cons- the functioning of the constitutional system. And but what they eventually got with, with the Rutherford B. Hayes election was they got the constitutional system to bless uh, Jim Crow, you know? And then it and then it lived within the system, and I mean th- th- this is like a razor. I, I know this whole point is kind of dancing on like a razor's edge, of you know. Well, if it's right. whether I mean, it's to me, what they wanted was this. They wanted they were set, like what Trump has been saying is like well, you know, the in the Constitution, like the Congress and legislators can in various ways just declare and accept electoral votes for him because it was so obvious that he won um, by thousands and thousands of votes, right? So, like, they're trying to uh, articulate a constitutional cover for what they're doing as well, Well, right? but then there's there's the mass delusion aspect. That's, like, this whole other thing that's, like... like Right. Yeah, and actually... um, well, we should move on because we've been talking about this for a while. We talked about coup for a while and fascism for a while. But I did you you mentioned this term white terrorism uh, and white supremacy, and that's like a, a term that a lot of people have been using. Um, and I was wondering what you thought about that because to me that it's pretty interesting. I mean, it it gets to the whole kind of comparison between this uh, episode of civil unrest and what we saw over the summer um, in the protest, the BLM protest movement, but. I found that also not very convincing, particularly for me to call it white supremacist terrorism. I don't doubt that many of those people were racist, but if you like, to me, what gave it away? (laughs) uh, But like, first of all, like not everyone who did that was white, right? So not everyone in that crowd was white. First of all, overwhelming majority was white. 
Um, but I'm just saying, like, if we're going to say, like, it wasn't a, it was not a Ku Klux Klan rally. Like, the Proud Boys are not the Ku Klux but, Klan. But they the have whole thing, white nationalism, white supremacism, you don't have to be white to uphold white supremacy. Just like, you don't well, have that, to be that, man to sure, uphold Sure, that's true. But then it's like, well, okay, so then you can call them, if you want to call them white supremacists, fine. But, like, I don't know, you need a few steps in order to, like, justify that. And to me, what they were doing i mean if you asked people why are you doing this like in the crowd i think a lot more people would say i'm doing this because the democratic party is a bunch of pedophiles and we need to arrest them and end this demonic possession of our government a lot more people would say that than to say you know we're taking back our country for like the white the whites Right. And we're like reestablishing ourselves. So maybe it's like as in terms of like ideology, like this is what's operating behind what they're doing and their self-understanding. It's like totally um, false, false consciousness. And they don't understand that they're actually a white supremacist mob. But like that to me is like the issue with that label of it. It's like it's not really it doesn't really match up with their understanding of what they're doing. And I tend to be like a nominalist when it comes to that. Like to me, fascists are people who call themselves fascists. Right. That's the easiest for me easiest kind of way of defining what fascism is um i think but and, in the aftermath of fascism and given that it's gotten such a bad rap i think that that's that gives a lot of people an easy way out i mean like then you have like crypto every, fascists sure but i mean like they're not yes but okay but anyways we could we can move on from that well, yeah, they, well, no, well, no, like i'm me, saying i'm not i'm not excusing like just because i'm saying it's no not, i know i know that's the whole thing that's whole trap of this oh you're saying you're not white they're not a white supremacist terrorist that means like you're okay with it no, no, no i'm not okay with any not. of it right i'm not okay with white supremacy or with terrorism i'm not okay with any of those things I'm, my question is is this the right term or are you doing some other kind of rhetorical work by saying this must be called white supremacist terror Right. And I think that that there's a rhetorical work that's being done there and that there's a certain goals that people have. Um, and it's a specific kind of political orientation that would lead you to think that as opposed to saying it's, oh, it's fascism or as opposed to saying, oh, it's something else. Right. L- l- yeah. Let me think. Of, let's let's start from here. You're saying. I'm gonna crack another brewski, brother. Let you collect your thoughts. OK. You know, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to slow down our, our analysis for, for a second here. OK. Go for it. You're not a fascist unless you call yourself a fascist. I think there's problems with that because, like, you know, Viktor Orban's not going to call himself a fascist and neither is Netanyahu. Well, he's not a fascist, though. Okay. That's why. But yeah. even if he were, he wouldn't call himself one. I think that's a good point. There's a lot of fascists out there who, even if they were, they wouldn't say it, given the political history of their countries. Right, because that's that's my whole, that is my opinion. It's not like I'm saying everything that's happened since then that's like right-wing authoritarianism is okay because it's not No, fascism. no, it's not about but okay or not. It's fascism it, is basically over. Fascism had its time. Oh, uh, okay, now it's okay. Basically yeah, so, over. So, people still call themselves communists. Yeah. People still call themselves Marxist-Leninists. Yeah, right? yeah. No, people do call themselves fascists, but okay, I'll get Some do, I, yeah. I'll, I'll get to the fascist thing. Let, let, let me get, slow this down, though, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, so if, why are you here? Why are you smashing the sword in the Capitol? window into the Capitol and the person says, oh, I'm here to stop like George Soros and um, Nancy Pelosi from like boofing all these, are you allowed to say that anymore? Like uh, children in the back of a pizza parlor, you know, or you're saying you ask a lot of those people and their responses are like, you know, Looney Tunes delusional responses. Okay. And that seems like, and that, you know, it almost seems so laughable compared to like, you think of we all think of fascism as very well organized people who like, you know, wrote 
essays, Mussolini has like right. A, okay, and that's not true either. Fine, fair enough. Uh, I know. Oh, just, just, just bear with me for a second here. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, I would trace like a, a. I think there's two different paths to to get where we're going. So someone believes in in QAnon, they're crazy. But let's take a different example of like Republican people getting everyone to believe something that's not true, that's really prosaic. The Benghazi hearings. Sounds like the total opposite of QAnon, right? Benghazi was a thing. It happened. There were hearings. Did something, you know, was there something untoward or something concealed? The fact was they held sovereign hearings and it was like, you know, thoroughly investigated and they didn't find any evidence for any of the allegations of you know, whatever Hillary Clinton and Obama were alleged to have done to, like, kill American soldiers or, or, or like, let them die or whatever the fuck. But, it, like, when they polled Republican voters, like, going into the, the election after Benghazi, you know, it was something 70-80% believed that, like, something nasty happened in Benghazi that involves, like, something along the lines of, like, Hillary Clinton gets a phone call and she's like, let them die! You know, like, that was widely believed. And... I can give you another example, you know, maybe like death panels with the healthcare law. You have these things where the Republican Party has um, cultivated people believing things that are not supported by empirical objective reality. And kind of the, the Joseph Goebbels just repeat a lie until it's true. Once that happens, I remember I was listening to Obama's Terry Gross interview recently, which like if you're having insomnia, I recommend you listen to it because... It's so funny. He's boring. He, you know, he can be Mr. Soaring Rhetoric, but he's, his like commitment to, he's like loves doubling down on his no drama shit. And it's just like, yeah, there's no drama here. There's no fucking anything. I'm so bored by this interview. But he did talk about when they were trying to do more stimulus, when they were trying to get people mortgage relief, when they were trying to do a lot of things that would have helped a lot of people in very concrete ways to like live and keep the house over their heads. They couldn't do it because of the Benghazi bullshit, because of the birtherism, you know? Now, what I'm saying that that created was, I think that when you create that possibility of mass delusion, that is fascism waiting for the leader. It's, you've cut out a fascism-sized hole, or maybe an il duce-sized hole in the body politic. And the Republican Party had been doing that for a long time. They just didn't have the person to fill it. And Donald Trump filled it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people like to say, oh, it's all it, Trump. It, it's his psychological need for attention, blah, blah, blah. That may be true, too. But all those things about his personality overlook how perfect a fit he was for this. Let's not even call it a movement, but this political phenomenon of convincing people that reality isn't real in order to um, basically subvert the effectiveness of democratic outcomes. So most people vote for Obama. Obama says, I'm going to enact health care reform. Majority of Americans vote for it. And then the only way to stop it is to leverage delusion and our kind of wonky whatever system. I think that like once you're trying to... Why it's fascism, I'll, I'm going to like let you respond to the thing I'm saying before I think of him as like an El Duce. And, and I think of this... It's not coincidental that all of this ends up upholding white supremacy to me, but no, I mean I think that that's that's absolutely right, and I, and I would just so so you're absolutely right. They they and, that, and that's kind of what I've been 
saying earlier is they they cultivate these mass delusions in order and the reason is for me not because they want this movement or this mass of people who believe this shit to uh, overthrow the government they want to use it for exactly those kind of reasons obama apparently you know it sounds a little bit like making excuses for not getting more done but like <laughs> well i mean no but like seriously he, what the fuck could he do like they were holding hearings about this shit all day they wouldn't even talk to him about you know they use this kind of delusion and this this kind of spectacle to stop to prevent these kind of reforms from happening to prevent right? the, that's the, the will of the american people from being enacted through our political that's exactly system. exactly right so to preserve the rule of a minority interest over the will of the majority of of americans that is exactly why they do it they don't want these crowd this crowd of wackos to like run around and smear shit all over the capital but as long as they continue to find use for them these kinds of like like i said stochastic violence like this kind of like every once in a while uh someone's gonna go off and do something crazy and we're gonna keep seeing that and i'm not doubting anything like that we're gonna keep seeing this kind of violence I don't think it's it's going to be enough to overthrow any you know the government or any state government. It'll be given, I think it'll be like given school the shootings. Strength. We'll just it'll be like exactly fi- it, like it, fires exactly. in California. Just like oh, it's one of those fucking things again. So they might kill a governor, right? But then there's yeah. the lieutenant governor, yeah, yeah, to, it, there to take over, right? Yeah. And so like, will they be able to affect political outcomes by through these shows of force? No, but they will be able to use the existence of these delusions, these mass delusions, to prevent uh, the majority will from being carried out. I, I totally agree with that, but it's a different dynamic, right? And I think that what what Wednesday showed was that in the end, like enough of, and this is the big difference for me between now and 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 why like Weimar, like the the rise of Nazism, is that the the conservative. The conservatives in Germany who decided to use Nazism and like allow them to come to power, they were not committed at all to the Weimar system, right? They were. You, a, and you think Ted Cruz is committed to our system? From, I think that the people who pay for him are because it's working out pretty great for them, right? The people I don't think who, that they're smart they, enough to realize that what they've invested in will destroy our system. I think that having the fucking government be overthrown by a group of people, including like no, they know that TikTokers and and like shamans and whatever, is bad for business. And what happened on Wednesday is bad for business, right? They don't want that to happen. Mitch McConnell doesn't want that to happen. Yeah, but, but, uh, but Lindsey Graham too, doesn't it, want that to happen. They broke with Trump. They, they did, this, but right? it, it, Mike it, Pence it, did too. It, it's too late. Okay, so here's the part where I'm, I'm going to read a thing. And then and then we'll move on to the police thing and maybe like we will end up with yeah the if we thing. have time we might we might not have much yeah but go ahead and read your thing I'll, I'll read my thing but I, I think it plays into it okay so the, the background of this is um, uh, a long time ago I translated a book that was written in Hebrew by a uh, professor named Uri Cohen uh, he's in Tel Aviv University now ooh Ethan translated a book uh, thanks um, <laughs> but the book was uh, about in part about the rise of Italian fascism. And that's where a lot of my stuff comes from. And so I'm going to read you some stuff from the book. The English sucks, that's my fault. But it's it's the ideas I want, I want to get to here. What he's talking about is that fascism, let's talk about like actually what, what was fascism. It's like 
that we think of this the state is this thing that we create it and then the state uh it you know gives us welfare if we want it to or or like has a military if we want it to and then if we want to cut the military's budget and build more um, schools we do that you know and the fat and in the fascist understanding of the state is fundamentally different than that and so what i'm arguing is that the republicans don't just want like or like what has evolved in the in the right wing you know ecosystem has evolved from being we're playing on the same field as you you guys want more edu- money for education we want more tax cuts and we're just going to have a tug of war to it's evolved to something that has maybe un- unwittingly created the the attitudes that I'm about to to describe about the individual and the government so what what in 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 this view the fascist state i'm reading from co now lives with the individual okay and so in that sense could you sorry sorry i'm going to interrupt you could you give the the full name of the author and the book oh his, his name is uri u r i cohen c o h e n unfortunately the english translation hasn't been published yet but yo anyone can dm me whatever i'll hit them up with <laughs> proofs uri tough like he's it's the long story about where that is but the book is only in hebrew to this point I, I, I don't know. There, some of may be in Italian, but um, so um, basically, as opposed to understanding the state as a provider of services that is justified by the nature of the individual, the fascist state lives with the individual, and so in that sense, and this is what um, Mussolini uh, and uh, another philosopher named Giovanni Gentile they wrote a bunch of. They wrote a ton of prose about what fascism is. And when they argued that it was more democratic than electoral democracy. And it's in the sense that the state is no longer forced upon the citizen and it does not define him. And it does not even represent him. Instead, he himself is inalienable from it. Therefore, so the citizen is the state. Therefore, violence is not the monopoly of the state, but rather the long arm of the individual expressing his will. And if his will opposes this, in such cases, that man lives in false consciousness. He does not know himself and his will, and thus he must bend to the will of someone who does know, and that is the leader whose will is expressed in the state. That is Il Duce. Il Duce is the one who knows what your will is, and all he is doing is giving you, all the state is there to do is to give the individual the long arm that he needs, if he has the correct consciousness, to express his will in often that has to happen through violence. So then I'll end on this thing. So in that sense, the fascist state is, the, is a democratic state par excellence. Um, the relationship between the state and the individual is not a relationship between it and one citizen or the other citizen. Every citizen shares a relationship with a state that is so intimate that the state only exists insofar as it is made to exist uh, by the citizen. And so, and then Mussolini gave this speech where he said um, he had basically been behind the assassination of the leader of the opposition, of the socialist opposition, Matteotti. And, um, and people were suspecting, was it, was it fascist gangs who killed him? Did Mussolini give an order? And there was, and the, the left, the, the opposition, this is before it, it goes full fascism, you know, wanted to hold hearings and everything else like that. And, and Mussolini was delegitimizing the parliament and, and the courts the same way that Trump does. And he says, if the courts, which are more or less in shambles, are sufficient enough to hang a man, then bring the gallows and the rope. If fascism is no more than castor oil, 
um, and not the proud passion of the best Italian youth, then the guilt is mine. If fascism is no more than thuggish gangs, then I am the head of this gang. And so what he was saying is that you guys think that this is just a bunch of just um, gangs and malcontents and, and, you know, random crackpots running around. And if that's what you think, then I'm the head of the crackpots. But that's not true. Those people, the state belongs to them and their will. And if you don't have their will, we are here to use the violence of the state to show you that the state belongs to us. And that's the essence of fascism. And, And so to the police thing, when Kyle Rittenhouse kills those two BLM protesters in Wisconsin, and, they, and one Republican congressman says he should run for Congress. Another says that he showed restraint. And Tucker Carlson's calling him a hero. That's fascism. To me, that is textbook fascism. And this, this um, enabling of individual violence by, you know, state actors. And, and, now, and I want to toss it to you of what you think of, of the Capitol Police. Because to me, that was by far the thing that made... I knew that something like this would happen. I... Uh, like with every fiber in my being, I knew that the Trump movement would lead to an event like this. The part that kept me up all night that night was the fucking way the police reacted. And not, not that it's intellectually surprising, but just like, holy shit. Like you just proved to everyone where that aspect of the state, whose violence that aspect of the state acts in concert with or against. And and that's scary to me. Totally. Um, Yes, I, I want to. So, get, getting back to some of the stuff you you talked about in that quote, uh, or you, or you read in that quote um, from Uri, I do see there's definitely echoes, and there's no denying that there are certain similarities when you when you read people talking about fascism. I mean, the, the obviously like the Umberto Eco essay from the New York Review. Uh, which everyone was sharing, you know, four years ago about ur fascism and everything. Like you read that and you and you hear this, the, your quote, and and you can understand. Yes, that makes sense. That like resonates with what we're seeing now. And I, I cannot gainsay any of that, <laughs> especially what you're saying about just the way that the Trump movement is kind of about. It's 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 so people understand. Trump as like a, a vessel or a channel for like releasing their libidinal impulses and their resentments, right? And like he is this, and then like, defining that as America, and and That's defining an that as America, right? And that is you know, and I and I would say also like that that has deeper roots in um, a variety of yeah anti democratic and authoritarian kind of tendencies within American history, which go back you know. The, you know, the Republican Party since the conservative takeover, you know, John Birch Society, Confederacy, uh, Ku Klux Klan, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so that that's all true. And so, yeah, I mean, I, look, fascism, what I just disagree with is this idea that like, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but this like kind of cookie cutter, like, well, this looks like fascism, like this sounds like fascism, therefore it's like a it's it's fascism. Like fascism as this transcendent category, which can always like come down and like all of a sudden, oh oh my God, fascism came again. Like you know, you always have to be on the lookout for that. Like that kind of that kind of 
understanding of it to me is is too simplistic and i do think that it can be useful to look at to look at that but i i very much disagree with the whole idea of like this is of of trying to get lessons like from from like weimar is it's not particularly useful right and, and but or less useful than some people seem to think it is right and the point is like you know everyone like and i think that that's the kind of tack a lot of people take is well the whole point of history is i know about history i know bad stuff happened in history and you don't know about this history therefore i'm here to tell you that it happened and therefore we need to take this seriously because if we don't take it seriously then we're going to get you know similar even more bad things that that happen in the future right so take the holocaust what happened before that if we don't see how the exactly things that are happening now are similar yeah. like then we get yeah no no yeah, that yeah kind of that's depth. i think that that's where it jumps the tracks to be like less helpful and it, yeah it, it's by, by the way I, I think it's the same with like you talk about the anti-democratic traditions and 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 you know like the the end of reconstruction and that kind of stuff i think that it, it, it's important sometimes not to go when we go too much to those things for one thing if you go too much to those things then then there's like no project worth saving uh so it's like like yeah they did like the bad guys won a lot of like horrible victories that in some cases lasted centuries but that is they haven't monopolized all of american history which is like why america doesn't look uh, you know the way it did in the 1870s or even the 1960s but also i think that like the role of mass delusion in this internet social media thing is like i think that just makes all fucking comparisons to the past like null and void like show me a part of the past where this many people believe something like as crazy as qAnon you know i mean i guess i guess like yeah. you could say the nazis uh, the stab in the back but i mean yeah that was yeah but i mean just I mean, the, I, the specificity and the, the baroque nature of the some of these beliefs um yeah it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Okay. But um. So do you want to talk about the cops? I have a few things you go, to say you go. about this. So, yes, what happened was like a very, very kind of brutal demonstration of the fact that like the police are going to use force against certain kinds of people for certain kinds of reasons, and in other cases, they're gonna use the kid gloves, right? And that. I think was a very edifying lesson for a lot of people, right? I think that some of the responses to what was happening um, from like our side of things, you can say. Also, yeah, people didn't exactly cover themselves in glory. So people were, the, the, the immediate comparison everyone was making, right, was this is how the Capitol Police are acting. They kind of fought for a little bit. And by the way, you know, since it happened that day, like one of the cops has died because he was he was crushed to death or something. Yeah. And there are other pictures coming out of people getting um, like wailed on and whatnot. Yeah. But the, the, there was the also ground. the part where the cops like opened up, like removed the barricades. Right. And so then everyone is saying they're they're letting them in. They're on their side. They're taking selfies with them, all this kind of stuff. And um and I think it's pretty clear. I think it came out just today that a few of the cops were fired for that and that a security, uh, a secret service officer was fired because he was like saying online that like pro-Trump stuff, but like, you know, serious, like 
stop the steal type pro yeah which is crazy because these aren't like Um, fucking local cops these are fucking like it's one thing the kenosha cops of wisconsin these fucking federally trained law enforcement well yeah that's the whole point so then so then yeah it goes back to the fascism thing so people are like well cops are all fascists and so the, the reason this happened is because they were on the side of the uh of these rioters and i think that look some of them some proportion of them were i i would tend to think that it's probably a fairly small proportion of them, but we don't, there's no way of really knowing that. But to me, I found it a little bit dismaying that people were making this comparison in the spirit of bloodlust um, rather than in the spirit of, yeah, not every, well, I mean, Jesus. Yeah, so, so, some people were, some, right. So, but a lot of people were openly expressing the desire for a lot of these people to be, to be killed, and and one woman was killed, and and it look, do I have a lot of common with this woman? No. Am I like broken up about the fact that she was killed? No. But you guys I don't think it was good for the little <laughs> second that good. Um, no, I mean, I I don't think she should have been killed. I don't think it was, um, like I, I don't think it's good that anyone died. Uh, in that situation, I don't think cops should be shooting people, right? I mean, like in general, like that's that to me was the basic point of of the. I mean, people might disagree with this, but like cops shouldn't be killing people. That that was the idea behind the BLM protests, right? And then and so now, so so the idea is it to me a little bit exemplified that like the idea of hypocrisy is like just dead. Like people are just going to be like, okay, cops shouldn't kill. But so, no, but some of that's like, I mean like, yo, like um, I was listening the day of um, Patrice Cullors, who's like one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. She put out a thing like immediately, like, you know, the point isn't we want them to like tear gas, the cops tear gas these people. It's that the cops shouldn't tear gas anyone ever. Um, well, I mean, she also wants to like abolish the police. Fair enough. But, yeah. But like, fair enough. So the establishment types, establishment type, like racial justice activists were on message on, on that. But can you the, the, blame, that, like, I mean, it's just straight up. Can you blame, I mean, maybe there's like a logical inconsistency or contradiction, but like, I could not, I don't think I could look a black American in the face and hold anything against them if they wanted the cops to fuck those people up as bad as the protesters got fucked up this summer. There's just like, I know that that, I don't know. It's just like, I, I feel like that's where the overwhelming injustice of it kind of like sinks the whole conversation. Fine. I mean, I, I, I understand that people would be mad about it. Like, I, I, I totally do. But I mean, I think that, so just to get away but that. From wasn't that wasn't your point. Your point so was... I don't think like, so I don't, first of all, I, yeah, I don't think bloodlust was good or like that's just my max anti-bloodlust secondly in terms of like what happened and why why did they fuck up so bad Uh i really think i mean people want to make sinister kind of conspiratorial type thinking paranoid type thinking about like they wanted this to happen yeah they allowed it to happen and this is happening both on the right like liberals you would say are saying oh yeah well the reason it happened is because the cops are on their side. And then there's some people on the left I've even heard where it's like they let it happen because they're the security state and they wanted to uh, <laughs> basically give 
the Republicans um, the opportunity to break from the Trump movement, or they did it on behalf of the Democratic Party because this is good for them. These are all people whatever. who haven't paid attention Setting to how that dysfunctional aside, American life is. No one ever like enacts conspiracies successfully. It was it was a total fuck up. Yeah, I just think I that's what happened. That. Like they were just like, well, geez. They're like, well, gee, I know they're saying they're going to do all this stuff, but they can't really mean that, can they? And like, there is racism that plays into that, right? Huge, I think so it's whenever, a fuck up powered by by racism, right? Yes, exactly. That's the whole point. It's like it's 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 structural racism. Yes. like it's it's there's yes. there's a million different little factors that go into a seemingly well-meaning decision to be like, well, look, we don't want to have this big violent confrontation because that's going to escalate things they're like so whereas with the blm protests they're always like let's escalate let's show force we're not going to give in and then with this they're like well we don't want to escalate things because then it could get bad and like someone could get hurt and like it would be bad optics and all this kind of stuff with the blm protests they're like fuck these people like fuck optics let's drive a car into a crowd of them yeah because, because like, they view the blm as we're not being against back. them as the police well, it is. I mean, that's the whole thing. Is. Like, I mean, but these is. people so also everyone... <laughs> are against them. <laughs> right. Well, they're, well, that's the whole thing. Is yeah. like they don't, Who's them? They, they don't see it as being against them because they're like, well, this is like a First Amendment. Like, they just think that the uh, election was stolen and like, heck, who knows? Like, you know, our job <laughs> is just to protect these people. Let's just not rile them up too bad. Let's let them get their rocks off. Let's let them have their temper tantrum. And then... Um, we'll move on, right? And that's what they thought, and they were they were very wrong. Um, and like several people died because of that, and so that's you know. But they do need to be, you know, they, there needs to be like, you know, they need to look into why that happened, and and the people who screwed up need to be uh, held responsible for that. But I don't think I don't see it as any more sinister than that that that's that's my point of view i I, I you can reply to that i agree to i agree with you but i think that that is that's like the that is what's so i mean that's the worst thing okay like yeah i i there's no world in 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 this type of conspiratorial thinking is so like allergic to past evidence but like where like everyone like like the trump people sat down with the cops were like here's the plan you know and like and then we'll just you know it's kind of like uh 9-11 conspiracies where it's like you're saying the same bush administration that like couldn't you know like flush a toilet without fucking it up like pulled off this amazing conspiracy and no one found out but i think it's so fucked up is that is how powerful of a role like if you're going to call it implicit bias or structural racism played like how deep that goes in you know in everything that you're saying um like, you know, someone could get hurt, like, just like what that says about, uh, like white people and like the leeway for violence by white individuals and versus the mentality about, um, black individuals, uh, or, or people protesting on behalf of black individuals. And that's where I think that there's a little bit, it backs up a little bit to what I was saying before about like, if the individual gets it and the it is white supremacy, if the individual gets it, then when they're violent, that's kind of within their rights. And anyone who doesn't get it just needs to have the violence or the leader demonstrate to them through force the it, that they, the thing that they need to get. And, and, that, and maybe that tendency has, has been there like all along. And, uh, and whether you call it fascism or not, it's like 
the, the worst version to me was like how the Kyle Rittenhouse militia people, the people he was hanging with were like, like splitting really thirst quenching water bottles with the cops like earlier in the day. Did you see those pictures? So they're all like, no. all these militia dudes are like chilling and there's like audio where the cops are like, we're so fucking glad you militia dudes showed up. And they're like, fuck yeah. Like they're all like, I mean, this gets to like some other stuff about like regionalism and stuff, but um, like there's just parts of the country where like, and this is what's so fucking scary is like, okay, here, here's just like maybe like a parting thought of terror. Uh, over Thanksgiving, Chloe and I drove to Phoenix and then we took like the long way home and drove through some like crazy ass parts of Southern Arizona by the border. And th- we drove through like, um, what's it called? Um, like mobile home encampments where there was giant Confederate flags, giant Trump flags, giant um, don't tread on me flags, like fucking everywhere, all these things. And and I was like, you know what's so weird? If you were driving in the like Republican parts of the country, even in like the 90s, you might be like, oh, these people have a different view of tax policy than me. And now you drive through those parts of the country and you're like, holy shit, those people are, are like fucking Nazis, you know, like. Well, but that's the whole thing. OK, so but like, is that not true to some extent and scary? No, they're not Nazis. And like, yo, go to the I place don't... we went to and. Yeah, no, I I understand that, but like I don't think it's part of the problem with using the the Nazi labels and the fascist labels is that that is like the counterpart to the and I'm not saying it's fascistic to use fascist labels, but it's like it's a counterpart to the fascist idea of like, well, if you're against the state, then you're out then you're outside it. You're outside of the community. Calling people fascist now means you're outside of our political community right and like i would say it's not very helpful to say that all that every single person who has supported donald trump is like is like a total nazi and like like this was you know it was two thousand people or several thousand people right it's really bad that there's that many people who are willing to do something like that. 70% of Republicans think the election was stolen. I am, I am definitely not into that. And (laughs) a very unchill, that is a very unchill statistic that you're sharing. I don't like any of that stuff, right? I'm not saying these guys are cool and I like them and I'm friends with them or I agree with them or anything like that. But what I'm saying is we can't, like, and, and this is going to sound like a call to unity. I don't want to have a call to unity. This stuff needs to be, like, this stuff needs to be confronted and it needs to be defeated politically. I definitely, I obviously believe that. I'm not trying to minimize it. But, like, to me, how do I put this? I, I, it's a kind of an inchoate thought in my head. But, like, defining them out of the political community saying, if you fly a Trump flag, you don't, you are literally calling for the overthrow of our system and you're outside of whatever our constitutional republic all that but aren't you right now i don't think that's fly, like right now if you fly one no i mean i think that look there i'll give you a, a much chiller statistic right now and that is um there was a poll about who who supported the the events on Wednesday, which that should be where we finish up with. So we'll decide what, what to call them, uh, the events of Wednesday. It was like less than 10% of people. And actually, the, num- the number of white people who supported it was lower than people of color, the umbrella, which is a very useful uh, a term that we use um, for like, so, so it was like 
five and seven percent or something like that very low so the point is yes a lot of people support trump for a variety of reasons we don't know why everyone does um most of them have always been republican voters the republican party is in a bad place right now i, I can agree with that but uh we don't know everyone's minds we don't like and the, and and this whole thing is like fascism is like you're saying like it's this whole it's like this religious thing it's like if you're a fat if if the movement is fascist therefore everyone who supports it is fascist therefore the person who supports trump is like under suspicion for like having all sorts of beliefs that are fascistic that they might not and they might just be like I th- well, totally like be- they might only be halfway like aware of what's going on but you well, know? well might- how aware do you have to be i mean how aware were like quote-unquote ordinary germans like did they have to fucking like quote um giovanni gentile like chapter and verse to like be effective nazis no, no 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 no. but they had to support like the nazi regime yeah and like so so that's the whole thing and like so so then so this is the whole thing this is the like this is the rhetorical work this is like to me it's like you like with the fascism label you slide between rhetorical work and analytical work that you do with that where you're like you're kind of saying well there are these similarities and these are meaningful in some way and then also you're saying well, if you say this or that, then you're fash. And like, it happens all the time on the left, right? Sure. So like within like intra-left, yeah. intra-left debates, like people all who, the time. Accom- who accommodate, there's your fash. And then all of a sudden you're completely um, like suspicious and you're like subject to being um, expelled, like not, not officially expelled anymore. Well, like to like having like a very wide level of expulsion at least. Like right, no. like she's not a she's not on the left, but like uh, other people who might like say yeah. things that are. Well, she would consider not... herself a liberal, though. But I think, but whatever, that's Good a different episode. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, like, yeah, okay. So we, I mean, we can, we can end with this. I, I, I get the danger of what you're saying. I think that uh, look, I, I, yeah. I first of all, can I just go back? Like, sure. I don't know what to do about any of yeah, this. Yeah, I don't know, man. Either. I don't like. I don't want to be a political pundit. I don't want to go out. And have a podcast be like this is like you know that's why I'm quoting arcane arcane academic texts that aren't even available in English, (laughs) right? Exactly. It's like I'm just trying to understand it, and like I don't think that there's a useful way of understanding is being like, oh, these people are all are all fascists, right? And so I'm not making a moral judgment, and I don't feel equipped to do that because I am humble. (laughs) Well, I think we've given everyone like a good. smorgasbord to choose from how they interpret what's gonna happen next my takeaway is like to, to the extent all this shit's the case it has been the case for a while um in like the 21st century republican party um and this is all escalated a big deal but i mean them like being like oh well like mcconnell being like uh well you can't destroy the capital but like he's already done to me what are analytically similar things to disable our system and that's what i'm worried about not necessarily like the building but call it what you will you know you have different yeah it's a poison i mean like it's a poison in our political life and it needs to be extracted somehow and i have no idea how um but i do think that you know with it the needs a juice coming it needs a juice cleanse yeah yeah some fiber and yeah antioxidants that kind of good stuff um yeah but so like what would you call it if you would if you had to give an, a word to oh that to thing Wednesday? 
fucking I don't know like the, the one of the things I mean this is such a cop out but on Twitter someone said it's the battle of Helm's Deep but like without Gandalf riding in at the end uh-huh yeah I mean I would say I mean to me I'm I'm yeah I'm not able but there's so there's a guy Justin E.H. Smith yes and he wrote something interesting today and he said the word he thought of was something uh, a word that was used in the Soviet Union in 1991 during the, ni- the 1991 coup by the Soviet generals who were trying to get rid of Gorbachev. Coup attempt. And he was like, yeah. So it, w- it was a coup attempt, right? But he, what they called it there was extra- exceptional situation. <laughs> so I, I found that to be uh, somewhat useful. Like it, it was an exceptional, exceptional situation on Wednesday. So I thought that was a good new kind of term that I hadn't heard yet. But yeah, it was an American. It was a it was a fully American shit show for sure. Fully American and shit show is the best. I know you just like were on the fly there, but that's the best thing yeah. I've heard so far. For sure. Well, yeah, and and you know, no no easy answers here, but that's why you listen. Oh, and that reminds me. So um, many of you may be anxiously awaiting with bated breath. Part two of our Iconoclasm episode. I think that it's... Oh, everyone's so excited to hear that. Yeah. I know. I know. You can finally, like, exhale. Um, There was a giant technological mishap with that, which is why it hasn't happened. But we're talking about structural racism and stuff here. We get into that a lot more in there. I think it's still irrelevant. I think it still is relevant. And we will will drop it in due course, um, uh, even as, like, some of the particular news tags of it have, have faded. But... You know, we'll be coming at you with more of this content. We should put it on. We should put it on our OnlyFans. <laughs> put it behind a paywall. What's OnlyFans? <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, it was good talking to you about this. I am, yeah, once again, really excited to be making more podcast episodes with you, Ethan. And I'm really thankful for everyone who's listening and still with us. Yeah. Likewise, so am I. I know what OnlyFans is. I can't. I couldn't live with you guys thinking that I was <laughs> like trapping Max like that. <laughs> um, but it's it's been a good conversation, and we'll hit you up soon. All right. Bye. Bye.